We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he had. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, it's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach that knows hoops the most. And we back for another episode. This is episode 14, still on the basketball quarantine. You already know what it is, man. This week, we're going to talk about uh, the NBA and the NCAA still being shut down. Uh, this was supposed to be Final Four weekend, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, the Christian Dawkins documentary got a chance to watch that last night, so I got a few thoughts on that. Also going to mention this Al White uh, bracket that came out in the Detroit uh, basketball uh, one-on-one. Talk about that a little bit. Not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because, you know, people just in their basketball feelings. Uh, talk about the transfer portal and a few other things, man. So, you know how, how we doing on this basketball quarantine edition of... Um, the We Talking Hoops podcast. We still gonna talk hoops, man. I'm gonna let the the topics build up. Uh, even though it's a lot of basketball to talk about normally, with the quarantine and the coronavirus that's going around, uh, it's it's a lot less to talk about. So I kind of want to let the stories build up for you guys. Uh, like I did last time, it's not going to be an hour episode. I'm going to try to cut it to about 35, 40 minutes, and I might even keep that format. Uh, and we're going to see how it goes, uh, because I know you guys got time to listen. I wanted to give you guys a check in, let you know how I'm doing. I'm doing fine. Um, got a bit of a, of a sore throat here. Uh, so that's probably why I'm more raspy than usual. Just been having this dry cough. I don't have any symptoms or I'm not sick or anything. The family's good. I've just been in the house, man. I've been in the house uh, for the past week, having worked. This is the first week that I didn't go into the school, didn't go to the airport. I stayed in the house, man, because it's dangerous out here. People just out here playing basketball at parks. They getting together. They playing football. They having barbecues because it's 60 degrees out. And it's sick, man. It's sick to see. It's sick to go to Home Depot and the place is packed. It's sick to go to the grocery store and it's packed because people out here just giving the virus away. And people are losing their lives, man. That's the, the thing about... This coronavirus, and I'm not going to do a huge deep dive because this isn't a news podcast. It's a basketball podcast, but this is my joint. So if I want to talk about it, I can. But people are really spreading this virus. I suggest everybody stay home, man. Stay home as much as possible. Um, me and my wife, we probably go to the grocery store once every two or three weeks. We, we load up on groceries. The grocery stores are already telling you that they're not going to run out of product so you don't have to rush and, and get all that you need. I would say get enough for two or three weeks and go as le- least as possible. Uh, we order a lot less carry out than we usually do. It ain't a whole lot of places to go, man. Just stay home, man. Stay home. Watch Disney Plus. Watch Netflix. Watch YouTube. Like, just stay home, man. Because I want my listeners to be safe Because I know people that's dying, man My brother's high school basketball coach Rest in peace, Dwight Jones Coach Jones, he passed away uh, DJ Dwayne C. Uh, Stevens His father passed away I mean, this, this virus is killing people So before I get to, into the, any kind of basketball 
I suggest you guys just stay home, man. Stay home because the spring is done. Looks like the summer's going to be done too. The NBA is trying to figure out how to uh, still pay its employees and people that work at the arenas, even though it's not any games. And they're going to have to come to some some decisions here soon on, you know, are, are they still going to be paying the players? Are they still going to be paying the coaches, even though it's no games and no revenue coming in? They tried to start, they're starting this little 2K tournament on ESPN. And I don't know if players are, if the NBA is getting a piece of that or the players are getting a, I don't know. But there ain't no revenue coming in. So it ain't no revenue coming in. At some point, you got to say, all right, is it feasible for us to still be paying our employees? So that's what the NBA is, is dealing with right now. The NCAA still shut down. They, um, Extended the quiet period, and we're going to talk about that when we talk. When we talk about when I talk about the transfer portal, uh, because it's very important. Them extending the dead period uh, all the way to the end of May, because basically you're shutting the recruiting down uh, for Division One, Division Two, and Three coaches, uh, and that's huge, man. It's huge, and we're going to talk about guys getting offers and committing and not even visiting schools and coach offerings players they probably didn't even see play but we're we gonna get to that we're gonna get to that but the first thing i would like to talk about um on the basketball quarantine edition uh, this is volume two of the division volume one was last week this is volume two with it um i want to talk about the final four so the final four uh something that i've been looking forward to i look forward to the final four every year and usually around December, January is when I start making plans for the Final Four. Am I going to go this year? Am I not? Uh, I, I took a few years off. I went last year, went to Minneapolis, and that was pretty cool. Um, so you try to decide whether, and this is around December, and I was thinking, all right, well, am I going to go to the Final Four this year? Because it's in Atlanta, and in LA, it's popping. It's popping in the A. I've been to the Final Four twice in Atlanta, and that's probably top, if I had top five uh, Final Four cities, Atlanta will be one of them. And it ain't because of the strip clubs, even though Magic City be popping on that Monday. Oh, buddy. But anyway, that's a whole other story. And it ain't just because of the strip clubs or just clubs in general. I mean, Atlanta is just a great city for the Final Four. You got plenty of housing. You got, you're able to get everywhere downtown. Every, it's in walking distance. All you got to do is drive downtown and get there and you're good. I liked Atlanta. And this year it's in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out, all right, I know I could get some cheap flights to Atlanta because I work at the airport. I get cheap flight for $50 um, and make it happen. My boy G. Russ, he moved out. He moved, shout out to G. <clears throat> he live in Atlanta now. So I would have somewhere to lay my head so I ain't really got to worry about a hotel or, or that bill. And getting around is nothing. It's easier to get around now to find a Ford than it used to be because you don't have to rent a car. You can just Uber to where you want to go. Because all you're really doing, and I'm, I'm going to do a little deep dive of the Final Four so you guys get an understanding of why it's so big in the basketball coaching community. Um, it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal uh, going to the Final Four for a lot of coaches uh, because this is your opportunity at the end of the year for you to to, to uh, digress a little bit. Digress, relax, um, network, talk to some other coaches, meet some new coaches, talk about basketball, talk about um, things that you might be doing in your program, things that other programs are doing. You got coaches trying to get jobs. You're seeing all the coaches in the country uh, that you want to see, the, the big coaches, the small coaches, D2s, and it's just a beautiful event, man, and, and, and in case you didn't know. So let me break down the Final Four to you. The Final Four has the National Association of Basketball Coaches Convention, the NABC, is in the Final Four every single year. So at this convention, you have vendors, 
So you got vendors for uniforms, vendors for um, highlight companies, uh, film companies, jerseys. I mean, you name it. Dr. Dish is there. Uh, crossover is there. Huddle. Like I saw Crossover and Huddle five years before it even came out. I saw it at the Final Four and I was like, that's dope. How much it costs? And I was like, yeah, that's too much for me. Because at first, when they first rolled out uh, the whole huddle deal uh, for basketball, like it wasn't cheap. It was a lot of money. And I was a high school coach at the time. I forget which fight or four I saw that. And I was like, I really like what you guys are doing, breaking down the film. But like high school coaches can't afford that. They're like, oh, you a high school coach doing that to fight or four. But that was different. You know what I'm saying? Like I wanted to perfect my craft as a coach. I knew when I was a high school coach, at some point I would have the opportunity to coach in college. But I wanted to be ready for that opportunity. Uh, I know in 2013 I had an opportunity to go. I turned it down. I didn't think I was ready at the time. Ended up getting the same job three years later. I was ready three years later because of me going to the Final Four and networking with coaches and things of that sort. So here's how it's set up. So you go to the convention. Uh, it costs about $125 if you're a guest. Uh, if you're a member of the NABC, I think it's like $80, $75. $80 if you're a member um, and that gives you a ticket to go in and out of the convention center and in the convention center you have these vendors and that's where all the coaches meet at during the day during the day so you can see you know uh, a couple coaches huddled up talking about basketball here and here's and, and during this time you the college coaches have to get the division one college coaches have to get credit and show that they they've been involved so they have to go see other coaches speak and at this convention uh, you'll see some great coaches that you've never heard of before you'll see some up-and-coming coaches uh, talk about their programs talk about the things that they do and that's probably one of the best parts about the final four and be quite honest with you when I tell people I'm going to the final four they just think I'm going to party and, and as you, you're going to go out you're going to hang out with coaches you're going to have a good time you are going to do that but the vast majority of your time you're talking about basketball you're talking about coaching you're talking about networking you're talking about everything that, dealing with basketball everything and you don't see a whole lot of wives there. And when you do, they go shopping or you go out and you have lunch. But all you see is a bunch of basketball coaches. I mean, you'll see four or five hundred basketball coaches talking about everything under the sun, particularly basketball. So at the con the convention center where the coaches speak, uh, there was there is one. I saw everybody speak. I've seen Shaka Smart speak. I've seen uh, Anthony Grant speak. I've seen. Uh, you name it. I've seen him speak at the Final Four. Uh, I knew Shaka Smart was really good when he he rolled out his uh, play angry defense, and I had never seen a sideline triangle before. I was like, what is this? I have never seen a sideline diamond. I took as many notes on that as possible, but I didn't. that year I didn't have a pressing team. If I had a pressing team that year, oh, we're for sure using that sideline diamond, and we calling it VCU. <laughs> we were it was ready to be put in but i had never seen it before and you see some of the best coaches in the country that either you've heard of them before or haven't heard of before and they get to talk about their crap and you go in and out the convention center and you have a list of events that are going you have speakers you have um panels of other coaches talking uh in minneapolis is probably one of the best ones i've seen in minneapolis i went to a panel and it was a coaching interview 
it was two coaches interviewing for a job. And these were real coaches. Like it was a JUCO coach and it was a D2 coach that was interviewing for it. They were both interviewing for a D1 job. And then the person that was doing the interview is one of the people that are on these firms that, that hire coaches. So you get to get the insight of what kind of questions they ask, how the coaches answer them. I mean, it was really, really informative and it was really good. Like I really, that was one of the best panels I had ever seen. So you get those those things pop off and, and the majority of they spend at the host hotel with the coaches. So the coaches all go to this one host hotel and, and they sit in the lobby and you'll literally sit in the lobby the entire day. You'll sit in the lobby for a whole day and you'll have a group of coaches that you went with. So usually, you know, with the Detroit coaches, we, we got our little hanging out spot. You know what I'm saying? Me and Coach Jordan Smoker come through. You'll see Coach Murphy. He'll hang out with us. Um, and anybody, all the Detroit, Michigan people, they kind of congregate and they meet up. We link up and you, you talk to other coaches that you see. You might know this might be a coach that you play for, a coach you had coached with, uh, somebody that got some players, somebody, a coach that you need to talk to because you got a player. I remember um, 20, 2013, I remember talking to Florida Atlantic coach, uh, both of them. Talked to the head coach and assistant about my player, and they ended up offering him a week later, even though they, they dished him and they, and they ended up not... Uh, going with the offer and stuff like that, but that's a whole nother story. Uh, but at, and it was matter of fact, it was in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. We sitting there in the lobby. I'm talking to both the coaches about my guy uh, trying to get him a deal. Ended up getting him a deal a week later. Uh, but that's what happens, man. You sit in the lobby and you talk basketball. You talk hoops, kind of like this podcast, really. You know what I'm saying? You just sitting there. I'm, I mean, my wife, like I would take my wife to the Final Four and. She would see what we would do like during the day and she would be like, this is what y'all do at the Final Four? And we'd be looking like, yeah, sit around, drink beer, talk basketball the entire day. Just chilling in the lobby, you know, talking about the night games, talking about the games before, who you saw last night. Talk about this player transferring, this coach getting this job. Is this guy going to stay? Who's going to get the Western job? Who's going to get the Eastern job? How long is Murph going to stay? Who's getting Eastern? What Mike Davis? Like, these are the conversations we have. Like, what's Smoke going to do? How long he going to stay at Brooklyn? He got some players out there. Like, that. That's what we talk about the final four. But I, I mean, for me, if you could tell by this podcast, I love it. I can sit down and talk basketball. Me and my brother, man, we're literally sitting in the lobby and it could just be me and my brother because my brother, uh, when he was able to, like me and my dad, my brother, uncle, we would go to the final fours, man. And we literally would just sit in the host lobby for hours upon hours upon hours just in there chilling. Like, oh, man, they go Dean Smith. They go John Thompson. They go such and such. Oh, hey, they, what's up, Coach B? Oh, what's up, Bakari? What's, I mean, that's what you do at the Final Four. And I was really looking forward to it, and I'm trying to decide whether I'm going to go or not. And uh, I came to the decision that I wasn't going to go. So I didn't buy a plane ticket, uh, fortunately. I didn't uh, make plans for, to, to call G. Uh, and tell them that I was coming to the final four and I was fully, I was ready. I was ready to come to the final four, man, be in Atlanta, do the whole spiel. And then once the spring schedule came down for AAU, I realized, oh man, if I go to the final four, I can't coach that first weekend at the NY2LA. Like if I'm a coach at NY2LA and AAU, I can't go to the final four. And I've done that before. There have been final fours I've missed because I was coaching AAU. Like the last three years of me coaching in high school, the reason why I didn't go to the final four is because I was coaching. And a couple that I did go to, I had to go to. Like the one at 13, I had to go because I just lost my, I didn't say just lost my job, but 
I hadn't hadn't signed on to go to Country Day yet. Like I just was going through my stuff with Renaissance, and they had let me go, and I needed, you know, what I'm saying like I needed some backup, something to do. So I had to figure shit out. So that's why I went to that final four. No, not 13, 14, 14, because 13 I was cool. 14 I wasn't. <laughs> so I definitely went 14. I went 13 and 14. But anyway. So, yeah, this is supposed to be Final Four weekend, man. Final Four weekend. I wasn't going to go this year. I, was, I picked the coach AAU. Uh, and, you know, and speaking on AAU, now you lose the spring period. Like, now I didn't even, wouldn't even have had a chance. I was really looking forward to this spring. Like, I really was. I ain't coached in over a year. I ain't coached since July. And I remember what happened July. I remember that game. I got to take that game. I got to take that game for some GLIAC refs that called a BS, wouldn't call a moving screen, even though they've been calling the same moving screen in GLIAC games all year, but now you don't want to call it. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, they made me mad. But we was getting popped, though. That, that's what it was. We was getting popped. And, and I remember the game. I remember the game. I remember having one of my classic speeches that I do at the end of every AAU season. I always have a classic speech. And, and I, you know, go into a nice little rant, stuff like that. Um, but I was really looking forward to coaching, man. Man, really looking forward to coaching this spring. But it's not going to happen because AAU is shut down. NBA shut down. Everything's shut down, man. It's supposed to be the Final Four weekend going on. Um, it's Friday. Record this on the Friday. So normally if we're at the Final Four on a Friday, a lot of coaches get in on Friday night. So you're hanging out. Um, Saturday you go during the day. You either figure out how to get tickets to the game if you're going to the game. Uh, I went. I've been to a lot of games. I've been to a lot of uh, semifinal games. Been to a lot of national championship games. Matter of fact, one of the last games I went to uh, was the was the Butler one, where Butler missed a shot against Duke. When we, me and my brother, sitting at half court, about like in uh, section two hundred, like we had phenomenal seats, phenomenal seats in Indy that year. And we, you could see the shot. I thought it was going in. Like we looking at, it like, oh shit, he gonna make that, and he just barely missed. That's one of the last games I went to. Uh, it's because it's just it's expensive. Uh, buying tickets to go to the game and then the hassle with getting tickets from somebody and all that. Uh, I started to get more pleasure not going to the game and watching the game with other coaches or going to a bar and hanging out and watching the game with some other people that just love basketball or just, you know, people in general. Um, I enjoy that more than actually going to the game now. Like, I'd rather go to the bar, spend $50, $60 getting food and drinks than spending 300 for the game, even though like once you've been to a couple, like you good, like you don't need to go every year. That, that's what I was on. Like I had been to so many games and spent so much money, like for the game. Like I was good. Like I've been to enough. Like I don't need to go to no more games. You know, like Dallas one year, I think I went to Buffalo Wild Wings or something. Like my brother went to the game. Like man, I'm straight. Like I'm gonna go up the street a little bit because see, you can't you can't buy beverages at the game. So w- when you go to the game, either you gotta buy your adult beverages and drinks and stuff beforehand, and then watch the game, or you. You can go somewhere and kick it and, and, and you know, do what you do. Uh, so I would rather do that. I'd rather do that. Watch the game with some coaches. But uh, yeah, man, it's supposed to be Final Four weekend and, and we're not getting that. So um, hopefully next year, um, figure out whether I'm going to go to the Final Four next year. I think it's Indy. I think it's an Indy next year. I'm not sure. I got I to figure out where it is next year. Um, and decide whether I'm going to go or not and see what's going on. But the way this virus is going, man, you got to count your days, count your blessings because you, you can't count a year in advance. Hopefully I have the opportunity to decide whether or not to go or not. But this virus is real. So last night, uh, I stayed up watching the Christian Dawkins documentary on HBO called The Scheme. 
the thing about the documentary, it was a good documentary. It was informative. Uh, you're getting Christian Dawkins side. Okay, so you know what it was meant for. It was meant to show that Christian Dawkins wasn't the bad guy. Got it. Cool. Lou Dawkins is in the dock. They're talking about all of the Dorian's pride stuff. So that was a good portion of the documentary. So they're talking about Saginaw basketball. They're talking about the influence that Lou Dawkins had. Lou Dawkins is one of the best high school coaches we've had here in Michigan. Back to back at Saginaw High. Like Lou Dawkins was that guy. He was that guy. When it came to high school basketball, when it came to Saginaw, he was that guy. And the reason why I know, and I'm going to give you a little deep dive on my connection to Saginaw basketball, Lou Dawkins and Christian Dawkins and all this mess. I'm going to tell you my connection. At this time, we had this whole website. We used to be like, man, who's Chris Dawkins guy? Like, how is he ranked number one? And uh, I remember talking to Lou. Uh, I saw Lou. It was during the summer. It was in the spring. Spring going into the summer. I saw Lou in uh, Highland Park. So I'm talking to Lou, and I'm Lou. I'm like, Coach, what you doing down? What you doing down here in Detroit? He was like, Oh, my son is playing for the Super Friends. This is Dorian. He said, My son is playing for the Super Friends, and like, yeah, like he getting down. Like, I got to bring him down here to get some real comp because in Saginaw at the time, like he's just the best player up there. So I got to bring him down to the city. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he know me for being a high school coach because, you know, I went to Saginaw Valley. Like Julian, his assistant coach, was my teammate. So like there was a connection for me in Saginaw, even though I was I never was on the staff or anything. So he used to come down to the city and had his son play with the Super Friends on this team, the best eighth grade team I've ever seen. On this team, you had Derek Walton, you had Andre Johnson, you had Clark Bishop, you had Steve Haney Jr., um, Dorian Dawkins. Like you, you had five or six guys on this team. Eighth grade, kid you not. Middle school team, five or six guys played Division One basketball or played college basketball. One of them played in the pros. Like, and Dorian would have been the best one. And, and it's no joke. I know they talked about it on the documentary. I haven't mentioned it before. Dorian would have been the best player out of all of them. He was just as good as Derek Walton. He was just as good as Dre Johnson. Dre Johnson played at FAU, uh, Florida Atlantic, and he's one of the better guards to come out of the city uh, in that 2013 class. But I'm telling you, man, Dorian was a he was he was a he could play, man. He could play. So I used to talk to Lou all the time. He like, man, Cam, man, won't you bring your guys up to Saginaw one time? I'm like, all right, yeah, I'll bring my guys up. They say, yeah, my son, he doing the showcase. Uh, bring your guys up, man. Bring your guys up so they can get looked at. We got some scouts coming in, you know, um, work them out, you know, whatever. Just just bring your guys up, man. You know, we'll show you some love. So I'm like, okay, cool. That sound cool. I can bring my guys up there. I can show them where I went to school, where I got down at. And the showcase was pretty dope. He said, coach, you, can, you, you know, you'll work the camp. And everything will be cool. So I go up to Saginaw, take my guys up there. I'm working the camp. My guys are in the camp. And you get to see some really good players. Like, Derek Walton was there. This is my first time seeing Cha-Cha. So Cha-Cha, that's from Lansing, he was in that 2013 class as well. Like, he was really good, young. So, like, it kind of caught up to him later on. But as a ninth and 10th grader, like, he was like that guy. So I got a chance to see him. I got a chance to see them all. Monte was there. Uh, like, they had all the players was there, man. All the players was there. Really good showcase, my guys. So I did that for a few years. Did that for a few years. I used to talk to Christian all the time. and Because I used to have to come up there. 
one time <laughs> we we had a little debacle with a hotel, but I'm not gonna go into that story. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I knew I was like involved. Like I, you know, I knew all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew all of them Saginaw kids that came out of that area. What they was trying to do. Uh, the whole Dorian's Pride. One of my players played a little bit for Dorian's Pride for a little bit. So I mean, you know, so I know Christian and I know those background. Know the dad. So that's why I want, that's why I, when I watched the documentary, I had a different view. Because I knew what was going on. Like, I knew Christian was into some stuff. So I'm like, okay, all right, what, what, what young boy gonna do? Um, and, and they got to talking about the paying the players and stuff like that. And the, the thing about the documentary that was, I wanna say, surprising um, at the time when all of this went down, all the scandal stuff, paying the players, the FBI, you really thought that like this was gonna be the end all be all in college basketball. Like, you, you would think that the top. Uh, the, if there was a cap on college basketball that the top was about to blow off and it was about to be it was about to be over with for some people. Um, and you can tell that the FBI wasn't going to let that happen. The FBI f- fully intended on like shutting some coaches down and shutting some programs down and putting the information out there that we about to get the cheaters out the game until they started trying to come at Patina and the guys with the real money. Uh, anyway, anyway, so I'm watching the doc. And you would think that at the time that they were about to blow the top off of it. And for for if you think about it, like it really didn't shut. It didn't even stop anything. A couple a couple coaches lost their job. So Tony Bland and and Booker Richardson and a few other coaches lose. They lose their job. They go to jail. They get probation. They have to pay a fine. They probably won't get back into college basketball unless Rick Pitino bring them back or hire one of them at Iowa at Iona or wherever he's at now. Uh, but it didn't happen. So in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, I knew what the FBI was trying to do at the time. They was trying to blow this. The scandal it was probably going to be one of the biggest scandals in college sports. And it wasn't. And I'm thinking, like, what was the reason why? that? Like, why did the FBI go through and do all of this if it really didn't follow through? And the one thing that I pulled from the doc is that Steve Haney, right? Steve Haney is a lawyer. His son was a really good basketball player, too. Steve Haney was Chris Dawkins' lawyer, and this is the one thing I pulled from the doc. Like, they subpoenaed all the coaches, but their subpoenas got denied. And I'm like, how you get subpoenas denied? Like, if you're a lawyer in a case, like, you should be able to call witnesses to the stand, and they weren't able to. They weren't able to call up any coaches. So at that point, it's like, oh, okay, so, like, and then this Jeff Daniels guy, like, he just disappears, and... Nobody, he, and he's an FBI informant, and then you find out that the FBI was doing, they was being shady. So, like, they were using public funds for this corruption trial and this, and to get these guys, um, you know, funded and things of that sort, and they're using taxpayer money. And you're thinking to yourself, like, wow, this is this is turned into from a college basketball scandal to an FBI scandal. So, what ha- what happened with the, those FBI that FBI scandal? What happened with it? Where did it go? What, why didn't this scandal blow up college basketball? Because it didn't. Players are still being paid. Players are still being paid. They, they might have got a few people out of there. <clears throat> a couple coaches might have went down. They are still paying players. There are sister coaches out there. They still delivering the bag. Their runners are there still. So they they didn't re- they they caught a few guys. I guess it was like a scare tactic to say, okay, we really coming after. But it really didn't change much. I mean, they still doing all that stuff. Now they might not be doing it as much as they were before, but all that stuff is still going on. And 
you know, the Dockery pretty much put in my mind that, wow, like, okay, it went on, but it didn't, it didn't stop the show. Rick Pitino just got hired again. Like, how does Rick Pitino get hired again? He's involved in a scandal. He's involved in two scandals. It's known that he paid players and he gets another job. Like, how does Rick Pitino get another job? I hope book, I hope book Ricochet get another job. I hope Tony Bland get another job. Right. If, if you're willing to give Rick Pitino another job, that means you really know how anybody else can get, can get in. You are. So like that, that was the one thing I was thinking about in my mind. Like, yeah, they was coming after Pitino, but you just hired him back knowing of all of the corrupt stuff he did. Now you get another job. Like how of all the people in the world, how influence and money. That's how that's how influence and money. When you make it four five, six million dollars like. To pay somebody 200 grand ain't a whole lot. Will Wade comes on the documentary. He, he talk about fully making a great offer to a family. Like, how could you not? Get, I made him a great offer. Well, I mean, if a scholarship is an offer, but you ain't talking about a scholarship like Christian. You ain't talking about scholarship. talking about money. Fully on there. Just talking about, yeah, like I made him a great offer. I don't know what he waiting on. Like, that's what we doing. You know what I'm saying? So you can see that it's going on. So that was the one thing that I liked about the documentary. Like it was real. Like it was real conversations. It was real talk about the scandals. But at the end of the day, a couple guys went to jail. Christian, he's still, he's good. He out. He did his time. The other coaches did their time, paid their fines. And then it's like, okay, all right, so what's next? So I would like to see the full, I want to see the FBI scan. I want to see it from that standpoint. But, I mean, it was a good document. Uh, got a chance to see uh, Lou Dawkins talk about Dorian. That was hard to watch. That was really hard to watch because, I, like I said, I was involved. I knew, I didn't know Dorian, but I met him. I saw him play. Like, And then, you know, I remember I was at our team camp when we heard about it. And it was just devastating. Like, damn, like at the game, like at the free throw line? Whew, it was tough. It was, it, was, it was tough to watch that portion of the documentary, but it was really good, man. So if you have the opportunity to watch the doc, go ahead and watch it. Um, it's entertaining. It's informative. But like I said, it, it, it really is about, you know, making Christian look like he wasn't that much of a bad guy. And he's not. I mean, he's just talking about paying players, which I agree with him. Like, you're you going to put guns in my head, put me on the ground for paying some basketball players that you should already be paying anyway? Yeah, I. So I like the doc. It was cool. And, you know, if you have the chance to watch it, go ahead and go watch it. So it's, it's on HBO. It's called The Scheme. It's a two-hour show, uh, two-hour documentary about Christian Dawkins and the whole basketball scandal. Now, Detroit, one-on-one. The bracket everybody talking about, Alan White. So my boy Al White puts out this bracket and it's seated one through it's 32 so it's 32 players on there uh another 32 players that's on this list everybody is ranked uh one through 16 I, I believe and a lot of people got upset about where certain people was ranked people being left off the list and it's since this the last 20 years. So and I've done these debates before about who's the best players the last 20 years uh, but it was really about one-on-one. Oh, -on -one. Who's the best one-on-one -on -one player in Detroit basketball the last 20 years? So you got these guys that's on this basket, and it's a good basketball topic. It's a good debate to have, uh, but a lot of guys got in their feelings about it, and I, I was just trying to figure out why. Like, 
if and the one of the comments I made is if you really had to um, debate to be on this list, like that means the list was right. Like you shouldn't have to convince somebody to put you on a list. I thought the list was pretty good. Thought the list was pretty good. You had some of the best players in the trade in the last 20 years on the list. A lot of people talk about, you know, West Side bias and all this mess. Get out of your feelings, man. Get out of your feelings. You was a good player in your time. But this man decided not to put you on his list. That's his opinion. He ain't got to put you on there. But usually people have those type of reactions because it's true. Like, I thought the list was pretty good. I'm trying to pull it up here, but I got Sprint, so that means my internet is not very good. <laughs> so I'm trying to pull up this bracket, this one-on-one bracket. If you got a chance to follow Alan White, play that cast. Uh, real good dude. I like Al. Um, and he, <laughs> he had Detroit basketball in their feelings on this, man. He had them in their feelings. Here we go. Here's the here's the uh, the bracket. So the last 20 years, Detroit one on one tournament. Now, the last 20 years, we've had some very good basketball players the last 20 years. Right. So you got guys like and then I'm just going to go through the bracket. So you got Alex Legion at 16. He's a 16 seed. The eight nine matchup. You have Ray McCallum, Rocket Watts, uh, the five twelve matchup. Deion Harris, K. Felder, four thirteen. Cassius Witness, Emmett Sumner. Then you had uh, Brandon Cotton, three seed, uh, Ricardo Billings. Ricardo Billings was cold. Uh, he don't get enough uh, say. Jordan Crawford versus Raymar Smith. Derek Nix versus Deshaun Sims. Mo Ager versus CDR. That's a tough first first round matchup. Joe Crawford versus Brandon Jenkins. Ricky Paul and Darrell Summers. Uh, even Darrell Summers is kind of outside the city, but all right, whatever. Uh, Josh Jackson, Twan Porter, Kaylin Lucas, he's outside the city, but whatever. James Theus, Keith Applin versus Cal Wu. Cal Wu was a dog at McKenzie, man. Cal Wu at game. Woo, Cal Wu at game. So him beating Keith Applin in the first round is nuts. But anyway, uh, Amir Williams and Arthur Johnson. I don't like how he put all the bigs. Wrap together like But I mean if it's one on one You want a matchup That they can compare with So that's a good matchup Amir Williams And Arthur Johnson Big AJ was cold blooded At Missouri And at Detroit Persian uh, Shout out to AJ Derek Walton And Derek and David DeJulius That was a 7-10 matchup And Eric Evans And Manny Harris and I'm going to tell you like this, the, the list was pretty good. Like, you can say, all right, you left off Mike Hams. Okay, all right. Well, who you going to take off the list to put Mike Hams on? Hey, Mike Hams was really good at King. But, like, who you taking off this list to put him on? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I want, the guy I wanted to see on this list is Isaiah Sykes. Isaiah Sykes probably should have been on the list to me. Uh, you can't put Willie Green on the list because he's 99. So this is 2000. But they probably, if, this, if, if it was 99, you go back 20 years from last year, I don't think they put Willie Green on the list just because he was just so good that like he was like Tim Duncan good. Like fundamentally, like he ain't going to score 40 on you, but his 24 was efficient as hell. Like he'd take nine shots and have 24 points. You'd be like, what the hell? So like... You know, but I thought the list was pretty good, man. I thought the list was pretty good. It came down to CDR versus Joe Crawford in the finals. Uh, I think uh, the people voted for CDR as the champion. And uh, people don't respect what Joe Crawford did in, in the city of Detroit. 
Like, I don't think people really know. Like, I mean, people understand, like, it was two McDonald's All-Americans on one team, like Malik Harrison and Joe Crawford. Like, them guys is legends. You know what I'm saying? Nobody did that before. Like, name the last the last time, and we talk about 20 years. Name the last time he had two McDonald's All-Americans on one team. Malik Harrison, Joe Crawford. Neither one of them averaged 20 a game. They both were 17, 18, 19 a game. That was before uh, Mark White really let them, like, let them run like that. He was running a bunch of sets. Like, they didn't play up and down. Like, I seen all of these guys play. And that's and that's why I wanted to save my tape for my podcast. Because I've seen all these guys play. Like, I coached in this air. I played. Well, I didn't play in the air. You're talking about the 2000s. So, outside of 2001, 2, and 3, I'm in college. So, I saw them. But I could only see like the best games. So I was able to see Denby play Renaissance at Cobo Hall for the city championship. Like I was at that game. And I tell you, hey, Daryl Daryl Garrett, he probably has a he 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 has a, an argument to be on the list too. DG had game. You know what I'm saying? DG had mad game. So he probably had a chance. He probably could have been on the list. Rico Harris probably could have been on the list too. But we ain't gonna, you know, we ain't gonna talk about the guys that didn't make the list or on the list or whatever. I thought it was a good list. So so I had a chance to watch Renaissance play Detroit Denby at Kobo. And I'm sitting right next to Kwame and everybody else, all the coaches at the table, because my dad, he was running the PSL. Man, that, <laughs> I'm in my car recording, so like, watching the bunny hop through the hood is pretty funny. I ain't gonna lie to you. But anyway, uh, yeah. So I've seen I've seen all these guys. I coached against them. I played against them. Recruited against them. I seen them all play. All of them. All every guy on this list. I've seen them all play. So I can really tell you that. Yeah, like dog had game like that. You know what I'm saying? I had players I've I've coached that are on this list. You know what I'm saying? So uh, CDR was he he was he was something different, man. CDR was different when Cal uh, Calipari came to watch him at like. That's how you knew he was nice. Like when you saw you saw Kyler Perry pull up and cast, like, ooh, like that's different. Like Kentucky and and, and well, he was at Memphis at the time. It was like coaches like that wanted just rolling through the well, actually at the time they was. At the time they was. But I'm just saying that to, to, to have that happen, like CDR had game, man. Detroit Northwestern, Detroit K. He did three years at Cass, did his last year at Northwestern, last second half of the year, because he had to sit because of the transfer rule. And it's crazy how uh Coach Shannon just let him go. Um but CDR was nice, man. Joe Crawford was nice. Joe Crawford was nice. I mean, he was a big guard, 6'3 get to the rim, shoot the three on you, like, he was nice, man, he was really nice, my only Joe Crawford story, I'm in college, it's 2000, and what year was this, this had to be 2001, or 2000, it was probably my first year out of college, I think it was 2000, summer 2000, I come back home, and I go up to Renaissance, matter of fact, it was 2000, because Ricky Paulden, all right, it's 2000, right, Ricky Paulden is a senior, and it's an open run. So guys is hooping. Coach Mark, I've been knowing Coach Mark, Coach White, uh, because he used to be the JV coach at Persian. And he used to come up to St. Rita's all the time. So that's how I knew him. I'm like, Coach, can I come in and get some run? He's like, yeah, yeah, you can run, but it's going to be a bunch of guys in here. So like all different kind of guys, not just my guys. I'm like, all right, cool. So these two kids was hooping, right? And I'm like, Coach, like, dog, I came. Like, who is that? He's like, man, he's eighth grade. I'm like... Hey, man, shut up. I told him, like, man, ain't no way he in the eighth grade. He's like, yeah, his boy eighth grade, too. I'm like, who, what's his name? He said, name Joe. I'm like, coach, there's no way this kid right here is in the eighth grade. 
It's like he dunking and everything. I'm like, he like he can play for Saginaw Valley right now. <clears throat> he was like, he probably could, Cam. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I'm actually Malik wasn't there. Joe was there. Let me get the story straight. So uh, Malik wasn't there. Joe was there. He's an eighth grader. He's playing against high school and college players in the open gym. He's the best player on the floor. Now, I'm not saying that because I played Division II. I'm not saying that because he's a really good player and had a great career at Renaissance. I'm saying that because the boy was a dog. He was a big guard, and he was dunking in eighth grade. Like, he was nice. That's how I knew dog was nice. That's why I kept up with him. I kept up with him because I was like, my man, if he's in the eighth grade, like, it's a problem. Like, he could be a pro. I mean, that was the first time I really thought about it in my mind that a guy going to high school could dominate for three or four years and have the opportunity to be a pro. Like, that was the first time I ever really thought about it because those were the times, 98, 99, 2000, like, guys wasn't hopping to the league like that. Not in Detroit, or guys wasn't really going to the league like that. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I was, you know, you didn't really think about guys going to the league, even though we had, like, really good players in that era. You wasn't really, I mean, you thought about, you knew you had the Mo Taylors, you had the tractor trailers, you knew about the Willie Mitchells. Having the potential to be a pro, and Joe Crawford for me, he was that. He was that one. I was like, "Oh, dog, nice, dog, nice for real." He went to Kentucky, had a really good career. I mean, he scored fourteen hundred points at Kentucky. So, like, whatever. Played for the Lakers for a little bit, but CDR wins the tournament. A lot of guys and they feelings about it. And if you and your feelings about this bracket, that means the bracket was right, man. It means it was right. You trying to live back your glory days? If you got to convince anybody to put you on any kind of list, I know if a list came out in my air, I ain't on it. I ain't on it. I was trash. But I'm just gonna keep it all the way a buck. I was trash. I ain't gonna relive my high school career. I was trash. I played a role. I was a role player. I played with six other Division I players. Somebody got to play D2. I was a defensive guy. So when I tell people I averaged three, four points a game in high school or something just dumb like that, I don't even know what I averaged in high school because I only had like three or four double-figure games. Like, it was ridiculous. Like, I just wasn't a player like that. I was I was a system player. At the time, well, whatever. So, but it's guys that they want to relive their careers and things of that sort. Uh, and they mad because they ain't make the bracket. And I mean, so what? It's one guy's opinion, one man's opinion. And if you ain't on the list, whatever, go about your day. But it was a lot of people upset that they was not on this list. Strick was upset. Robert Strickland was a good player at Denby. He should not be on the list. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's a good player. Like, he wasn't better than Paul Williams. Paul Williams, one of my best players. Paul Williams, Mr. PSL. Average 28 a game. He ain't on the list. I ain't say nothing about Paul. Paul probably could be on the list as like a 15 or 16 seed. Probably could. But we're talking about one-on-one. Like, Paul was a shooter-shooter. So, like, we talk about one-on-one. Like, Jordan Crawford, one-on-one. It ain't too many people that can beat him one-on-one. Like, he a bucket. He a big-time bucket. So, it was cool. It was a nice little basketball content conversation to have during the week about this bracket. A lot of people got upset. But, like I said, if you really got too mad about it, you wasn't supposed to be on the list Anyway, so shout out to Al White for putting this bracket out. I think he's going to do an Oakland County one. I don't know why. I mean, people got time on their hands. So they're coming up with the base. They're coming up with brackets. They're coming up with lists. And, hey, I ain't going to fault nobody for doing it, but shout out to them. So let's talk about this transfer portal. Man. I'm still thinking about the bucket. But the transfer portal is doing numbers, but the transfer portal is on fire. Transfer portal is on fire. 
because you got players sitting around thinking about their careers, thinking about how coach did them wrong, thinking about how much they need to be playing next year, thinking about um, going to somebody else's program as a post-grad, not a post-grad, but as a grad transfer or somebody that might have redshirted and you realize after your redshirt year that they ain't got no plans for you, you put your name on the portal. Here's what I'm going to say about all these names on the portal. It ain't that many spots. So if you think just because you went to a Division I school and it didn't work out right, that you just about to just up and transfer and go to a D2, like, it ain't that many spots at D2. So it ain't that many spots at Division One. So guys is putting their names on the portal. It ain't that many guys, that many spots for everybody. I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't 600 spots up. It might be 600. I think it's 650. The last, the last number I saw was 650. It might be 650 spots up on the portal. It ain't 650 spots available. It's not. So guys is putting their name up on the portal and they transferring and they're going to end up in a worse situation that they already in. Now you got guys like Anthony Roberts, who was uh, an all Mac conference freshman uh, and I don't think he was all Mac as a freshman, but he's at Kent State. He decided to put his name in the portal. He did two years at Kent State. He was at 12.9 points per game at Kent this year. Puts his name on the portal. Now, where is he going to go? Can he go to a high major? Uh, he might. He might be able to go to a high major. I mean, he averaged 13 points per game in the MAC. I mean, that's those are pretty good numbers. Uh, Western Michigan, they whole team then said, oh, you hired who? I'm out of here. So you get the job, Clayton, they hired Clayton Bates to get the job at West Mission. And I was going to talk about this right after the portal. Might as well talk about it now. So they hire Clayton Bates to be the coach at Western Michigan. They pay him less money because his wife got like a uh, half a million dollar job. So he don't really need the money. So you get a 125K pay decrease to get Clayton Bates. You pay him 210, 220. You was paying uh, the other coach. Uh, Steve Hawkins, you're paying him three fifty. You gonna pay the next coach two twenty five? You get your man for a two year deal like that. Like so, you almost like so. Any anyway, I ain't gonna go in all that. So anyway, so now you got players transferring, players putting their name on the portal. But what I'm telling you is this: is they ain't got like Anthony Roberts is gonna be a good transfer. So he's gonna have the opportunity to go to a mid major plus. Uh, maybe even a high major situation. I know Arizona State is involved, but he just got an offer from them. So, like, he's going to have the opportunity to to play at the next level, at a high level. Uh, but there ain't a whole lot of guys that have that opportunity. And you're putting your name on this transfer portal thinking that, all right, cool, I'm going to go to a better situation, or I'm just going to go to the D2 and kill it. Like, dang, dang, dang going to work. Like, it's D2 players right now that should for sure be playing Division One. And there might be some guys going into the portal that's like, you know what? I'm putting my name in the portal and I'm going to visit. Especially, don't let the one year uh, trans the first your first transfer year where you don't have to sit. Don't let that rule go through. This number going to double. It's going to double. Like you'll have 1,200 people on the on the transfer portal if they say you can transfer without sitting. A bunch of them D2 All Americans and all regional and all conference guys. All of them is going in the portal. I guarantee it. The whole GLIAC, if the NCAA comes in and say that you can transfer and not have to sit, the entire GLIAC first and second team, maybe even an honorable mention, those coaches are going to be shitting bricks if that goes through because they're going to be having to like, now they're going to have to recruit their own players. They ain't going to be recruiting no high school guys. They ain't going to be recruiting no JUCO guys. They're going to be having meetings on the spot.
I need to meet with you right now, today. I need you in my office to let you know how important you are to this program and what we have going forward for you. Because let that happen, Miles Blue out of there. Guys like that, guys like Jake Van Tuberen out of there. You know what I'm saying? Like he, first team all GLIAC at Grand Valley. Like go, guys like that. I'm taking guys that are all league, that are freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. They're gonna transfer. They out of there. This is their shot to be Division One. You take a guy uh, to transfer from Grand Valley last year. He goes to Winthrop. He has a good year. He might think he buy, he had an opportunity. Hunter Hale. Hunter Hale had a really good year at Winthrop. He had a really good year at Winthrop. I wish I, I wish I did the numbers uh, before I, I hopped on the pike. Really good year at Winthrop. He was just at Grand Valley last year. There was 19 a game, 20 a game, something like that. Grad transfer goes to Winthrop Division One. Like you gonna have so many Division Two players doing that? Where the you, if you think the mid majors are gonna be hurt by the transfer portal, if it goes to a one year exception where you can go and not sit, it's gonna kill D two. It's going to kill D2 because the guys they got right now, they not gonna, it's going to be hard for them to keep them. Yeah, you might be able to get a couple guys from D1, but that, just to, just because a guy transfer don't mean that he can play. Just because a guy's a D1 transfer don't mean he he's the answer. I know a guy that went from Oakland to a GLIAC school. He probably averaged two points a game. He's seven feet. Trash. And some guys, no matter what division they go to, what school, you're going to be trash at that school, and you're going to transfer and still be trash. Like, it's just going to happen. I mean, I don't know why you would recruit a guy that can't play, but dang, you know, that's something else. But just because, oh, oh, man, he, he's transferred from Division One school. Man, that don't mean shit. Just because you transfer a Division One school from a Division One school to a Division One school, Division Two school, that don't automatically mean you can play. I'm the type of guy that I don't forget. So if I saw you in high school, I don't care where you went to college. I don't care if you went JUCO. I don't care if you went to Division One school. I don't forget. So if I saw you in high school and thought like, man, all right, he okay. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't recruit him at the school I'm at. I'm not going to recruit that kid at the school that I'm coaching at only because I'm a Division Two school or Division One school and now you available your name on the portal. What that mean? You either a good player or you ain't. So my eyes tell me that. If my eyes tell me you're a good player, I don't care what division you play at. If I have the opportunity to recruit you, I'm going to recruit you. But if I don't have the opportunity to recruit you, then I'm, I still know that, yeah, dog can play. He a good player. He can play. I don't care where you go. He a good player. And if I have to, I hopefully, and some of these guys, I did try to recruit that were Division One prospects. And I, all the guys I recruit at the Division Two level, I told all of them they're Division One prospects. But the, for some reason, Division Ones don't want you. You got to play somewhere. And you might get a Division One offer. You take a guy like Brian Taylor. Brian Taylor would have been an all GLIAC type of player. But instead, he goes to UI, I think it's UIC, goes to UIC, plays a little bit, and it's like, ah, I think his name probably in the portal. So, like, it's situations like that where you have a lot of these French guys that end up on the portal. But what I'm telling you is this. It ain't that many spots open. It ain't that many spots open Division One, and ain't that many spots open Division Two. And you got all these coaches. Like, right now, all they're doing is watching film. Synergy. They're going back and forth. Synergy. Huddle. Send me the link. Send me the film. You got guys getting offers and deals now. Coaches ain't never seen you play. They ain't never came and seen you live. But since the quarantine, all you got to do now is watch film and phone calls and relationships. So a lot of these offers that's going out now, you seeing guys getting offers where these coaches probably didn't see you play in high school. 
they saw you play now, and now everybody's looking for deals. They're looking for players. So now it's like, all right, well, we might have a chance on this kid. Man, you can't even, how is a kid getting an offer now you can't visit campus? Can't visit camp, how you getting an offer? That's how you know some of this stuff is just so, it's so far gone, it don't make sense, man. You got kids getting offers and they can't come to your campus. They can't. I had my my guy Coach Belt. He talked about a, a visit that he did. Hopefully, he didn't break any rules or anything of that sort. Where he met a family in his car and they on Bluetooth and he driving them around campus. Like so, you know, coaches is like either either coaches are breaking the rules, or I don't know what they doing. But to me, it looks like something else is going on. And I think that's probably why the NCAA extended the dead period because I think some of these coaches will still have it if. They, how you getting offers you ain't been to campus or can't come to campus? How you getting an offer? And if you are, like, how am I going to really take you seriously? Like, you didn't come see me play. You didn't come see me play. So now you want to recruit me. You want to offer me now because you need players. You had XYZ guys transfer from your team. Now you going to come to me. You're going to offer me. And you ain't brought me on campus. You just threw me offer. Like, so, so prospects. I'm going to talk to my prospects for two minutes. Prospects. Be leery of some of these schools calling you now that wasn't calling you in December. Be leery of some of these coaches that didn't come to your open gym. They didn't come see you play. But now all of a the sudden, they need players, and now they're offering you a scholarship. Be leery. You want to talk to the coaches that have been putting in the work for the time being. They came to the open gyms. They got your transcripts. They came and see you play during the year. Don't fall for the okie doke. Because all the coaches, call the coaches now, they just looking for players. All of them. All levels. One, two, and three, they looking for players. It don't matter. I need, I need a player. I need a transfer. We on the portal. I, I need a 2020 kid. I need this. I need that. Don't fall for the okie doke. Trust the guys that's been recruiting you from day one. Trust your day ones. And if you don't have any day ones, then you might need to entertain some of this is going on. So some of the recruits who, whose recruiting isn't been going on that well, if your recruiting has not been going on that well, then this is the time to boost your recruiting. This is the time for you to email every head coach. No, don't email the head coach. This is the time for you to email all the assistant coaches in the league that you think that you could play at. And if you if it's in a league that you think that you can play at and none of those coaches respond, then chances are they're looking at somebody else. You might need to move to a different conference. You might need to say, all right, well, I'm going to look at the HBCUs. I'm going to email every assistant, the top assistant that's been there the longest. I'm going to email him. And in your email, you need to have uh, your transcripts. You need to have the GPA. You need to have your test scores. You need to be have a full game link, and you need to have a highlight link. And if they like it, they'll hit you back. If they don't like it, eh, you probably won't hear from them. So this is the time. If you need to boost in your recruiting, this is the time for you to go out and get you some offers because you can't go to, you can't visit. So all they can do is watch film and talk on the phone. That's all they can do. And if they're bringing you on campus, don't go. Like, they don't, they don't have your best interest at heart. Don't go. But I'm saying, be leery of these coaches throwing these offers out to some of these players when they ain't seen you play live. Like, you need to trust the coaches that saw you play live. Trust the coaches that saw you play AAU. And... <clears throat> I'm just saying, you got a lot of that going around. But so the transfer portal is going crazy out here. You got guys putting their name in the hat, trying to transfer from one school to another. So it's a lot of time fooling me growing on. Don't fall for the okie doke recruits. Don't do it.
So I said this episode's gonna be like a half hour. I get the yapping and talking, and I'm way past a half hour, but I'm still going. So there's two other things I want to talk about. I want to talk about Western Michigan hiring Clayton Bates. Western Michigan decides to hire Clayton Bates, who was a longtime assistant there. Um, and immediately, not even a week when we talked about it earlier, not even a week passed, and they had guys already say, you know what, this ain't the place for me. That's a huge red flag for me. That's a huge red flag for me if I'm an administrator and I hire a coach and you got players transferring within a week of you getting the job. I don't really know Coach Bates like that. Uh, He doesn't have my cell phone number, and if he does, he ain't ever called or texted. So, you know, we'll see where that's going to go. I know basketball is a relationship game, but I'm a podcast host, man. The the longer I – the more podcasts I do, the less – like, why are guys transferring? Like, if I hire you to be the head coach, you were on the staff, you were on the benches, you had a relationship with the players. Why are my best players transferring now? Like, there should be, that should be a red flag. There should be something wrong with that. Like, if I hire you to move a seat over, guys shouldn't be transferring. Like, that should be the key. That should be the glue to keep the players there. And when they don't stay, that should be a red flag. Like, oh, that, that ain't right. Like, something should be up with that. So we're going to be paying attention to that. They pay less money for them. So, like, what is Western really doing? Well, in a pandemic that we're in right now, you ain't ain't got the money or the resources to get the coach you really want. The coach said they really wanted was Saudi Washington. They ain't had the resources to get Saudi. They're in a pay freeze. Western Michigan is in a pay freeze. They can't pay their employees or their coaches what they really needed to be paid. Or give them bonuses like 220 is not 225. You ain't getting cited for 225. You're not. Even though he's alumni, even though he played there, even though he coached there, you're not getting them for 225. When he making three, he's making what your head coach, he was making 350, 360, 400 at Michigan. Might have been, he might be making more than that. Well, you count bonuses because they didn't make the Elite Eight, they didn't make the National Championship, so you're probably getting bonuses, probably getting money from Jordan and Nike and all that. Like, so, but here's what I want to say about Saudi turning down the job. Saudi turning down the job, he can't take the job for what it pays. He can't take that huge pay cut. Not only can he not take that huge pay cut, he can't move his family from Ann Arbor to Kalamazoo making less money. Moving in a smaller house. Like, wives ain't, ain't going for that. Like, wives is looking at you crazy. Like, so you mean to tell me you're going to take this job that pays you $225? We making $350 on top of whatever I'm making. And we can move from one city to another in a pandemic to make less money, to live in a smaller house, to live in a city that's not comparable to Ann Arbor. Like, what are we doing when all you got to do is just say no, even though it's, if it's your amp, I'm a monitor and you play there, they're going to come back. Take the job another five years, go somewhere, stay at Michigan, build it up and go there when they can pay you what you're worth. Like two twenty five ain't your worth. You make it four hundred now. We ain't about to lose one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for you to just to go back to your island coast basketball. Like we ain't doing that. I already know what the wife is telling you. This she like, no, what they offering? What's the deal? So I can see why Saudi didn't take it. But on the other end of things, we need some of these coaches, some of these black coaches to get some of these jobs so they can pull up the next guy. So you can pull up 
you know, the guys like Coach Cam, the guys like Kevin White, the guys like J.R. Wallace, like pull up the next guys to get to the level. You know what I'm saying? To pull up the Mike Thomases of the world, to pull up the, the Coach Ways of the world. Uh, when we start getting our credibility, start getting to the college game because they, guys deserve to get those jobs. They deserve to, to get the ops job. They deserve to get the third assistant job and then to be pulling up other young coaches in the ranks. But if Scotty Washington doesn't take a job at Western Michigan, he can't pull nobody with him. And we need some of our players, we need some of our guys, some of the black coaches that I know that are at mid-majors, that are at high majors. And we need some of these guys to come back and take these jobs so they can pull some other guys with them so some guys can replace them. And there's a trickle-down effect. And I've talked about it before. The reason why you're not seeing some of some other prominent other black coaches take jobs because it's no, they, they ain't getting the head coaches. And the reason why they ain't getting the head coach spot because maybe we ain't got enough ADs out there. We ain't got enough search firms looking for black coaches. We don't. That's the thing. Because if the black coach don't get the job, he can't pull nobody with him. If corn doesn't get a job, it's only one corn. But if he don't get a head job, see, that's the thing, man. That's the thing with some of the black assistant coaches is they haven't been able to get the head jobs. So if they don't get the head job, they can't pull nobody with them. And that's what's kind of holding back some of our young black coaches um, from getting their, getting their foot in the game. If they're even trying to be in the game, a lot of them now, is they, they're cool with just coaching high school or they're cool with just coaching AAU because it's like, all right, well, if Siding ain't taking Western, what job is he going to take? He going to take a job out of our area because it ain't but a few jobs in Michigan. So he's going to take a job out of our area. He's going to have to hire somebody from that area. And then now you can't pull in a Michigan guy to come up and be a mentor and give up the ranks like that. So that was the only thing I didn't like about Sadi not taking the job because if you don't take the job, now you can't pull two or three of us along. And not to say that I was going to get a job because I wasn't. I wasn't talking to Sadi about going to Western Michigan. I, I ain't talked to no coaches. Ain't no coaches called me about nothing because I'm a podcast coach and an AU coach. So I ain't talking about no recruits or none of that. You know what I'm saying? So I'm out. I'm kind of out the loop now, which is cool. I'm cool with that. Kind of out the loop. I'm straight with that. I'm good with my podcast. I'm good with my listeners. So my name ain't being mentioned, all right? So I ain't on no hoop dirt. I ain't been talking to no coaches about no jobs. My resume, it is what it is. You already know what I could bring to the table. And if you don't already know, do your homework, all right? So I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying it for guys like me, guys that coach Division Two, guys that have experience, right? So a guy like me, right? A coach that has Division Two experience, have high school experience, have AU experience, have JUCO experience, right? Experience as a head coach, as experience as an assistant coach, guys like me trying to move up the ladder, it's harder for us to move up the ladder if our people, people that we know, the people that we go to the final four, we kick it with, and we share beers with, we share stories with, if those guys don't take jobs, I'm going to need some of them guys to start taking jobs. I'm going to need DJ Stevens to take a job. Not because, because he should be at a point with his career, and condolences to him, to his family, because I, you know, the story come out where his father passed, so condolences. I, I want to start with that, but... At some point, he's got to take a job so he can bring two or three people along. And then at the spot where he's at, people replace him. 
it's a trickle down effect, but we're not taking these hair jobs or we're not taking jobs where we it might be, you might have to take a little less money to pull some other guys along. So that was the only thing I didn't like about Western Michigan hiring Clayton Bates and he'd probably do a great job. I don't know. He, they, got, they got him on a two-year deal. What kind of coach do you hire for two years? That's just giving you an out after year one to be like, all right, we're not in the pay freeze no more. You had a shitty year. We're going to get somebody else. We're going to get the, another guy that we really wanted to get, but now we just have to go and get some more money. Like, it it just didn't I didn't like the deal, but I, I mean, I'm not an advocate for Clayton Bates because I don't know him. So like, I don't you know, whatever is whatever a hire is OK, but I have a reason with the hire because you hired the coach that was an assistant coach and then your top two players leave. So it's like, is this guy really the answer? Like, who are you hiring? If you hire this, it's a coach, your top two players should leave. But not going to go there. Just going to say that I'm going to need some of my uh, black coaches to take some jobs to pull some people along in the game. So, so yeah, man, that's about it for this episode. Volume two of the basketball quarantine. You know what I mean. And I want to advise you guys, like I said, stay safe. Stay home. Like, wear a mask when you go out. Just be safe out here in these streets, man, because this virus is killing people. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basketball Quarantine Volume 2. And it's your coach that knows who's the most. And I'm going to holler at you, man. Peace. That dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah.